Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. I know that many of you are Tarnandi repeat attenders, which is absolutely incredible. And so you know, the, you know the way it rolls. You know that we essentially use the idea, the Ghana word of Tarnandi, first light, new sprout, new spring, forever new, as the kind of curatorial framework. This year, we've been talking to Jack Buckskin, who is our MC, probably one of the reasons that the video is so entertaining. He's a great MC. Jack Buckskin, who's the most extraordinary linguist, natural linguist, he has been talking to us about all of these other words, and one of them is nainku. Nainku actually is the word for curator that exists in Ghana. So we've been thinking very much about kind of Nikki's role as a nainku, as someone who brings its NG, which is why I have trouble saying it, because it's kind of, we only ever put NGs at the end of English words, not at the beginning. So nainku is a word that means kind of connoisseur or means curator, means someone who brings together that content. And that's precisely what Nikki has done with all of our love and support again this year. So I'm going to run you through the show. Last year in February, before the, the lockdown, I was in Perth, seems rather miraculous now, and I saw the work of this artist. Now, John Prince Siddon is a Walmajari man, an artist that we've been looking at for some time, but I saw a really fantastic exhibition at the Fremantle Arts Centre, and I had one of those moments of thinking, we really need to think about how we can play, how John can play a role in Tarnandi. So this installation is the outcome of that moment. We were lucky to be able to acquire all of the works that you can see, so they're part of the collection, and he's a really important part of the education resource, and of course it's his work that has inspired the studio upstairs. If you don't get to bring your class, take the activity to your class. It's a really beautiful activity. It's very, very simple, but it really works because it plays on the idea of a Boab stencil, but there are two parts to the stencil and kids have to create kind of two parts of themselves. It's like a, in some ways a kind of portrait or the things that matter to you most are represented on the Boab design. You then cut them up and thread them through together to create the Boab. We're gonna see a few Boabs in a little while. Boabs are pretty exceptional things. They are, there is only one species in the whole of Australia, which means that botanists scratch their heads around where they came from. There are two theories. One is that they were here before the landmass separated, and the other is that they've, they've come from Africa and they've managed to float across the ocean. Both are possible, and the jury's out on which one is the case. What we do know is that they are these incredibly important plants that only grow in the Kimberley, they're called the supermarket tree. Such is the nature of everything that's contained inside them that's good for the human body, that they have all things in one. So Prince, we can't see a Boab just here at the moment, although actually you can. If you look at the bullock behind you, the four extensions are actually Boab seeds or Boab nuts. So Prince started painting on Boabs. He started, as many artists do, on working with that Boab seed, probably is kind of like in some ways a tourist or souvenir manifestation. Now, there are no holds barred. He works on absolutely anything. And these pelts have been, of course, have become canvases. Boab started his canvas and now he works on these pelts. This body of work, one of the reasons this spoke to me so, with such a clarion call when I saw the work last year, is that it was made just after the Kangaroo Island bushfires. And in fact, the final pelt depicts a scene that he saw on television from KI where a woman is trying to kind of heal or, or 
provide some comfort to a koala. So this body of work is the fusion of two things and it demonstrates what I bang on about all the time and that is that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander art defies history and defies Western ideas of art history because it brings together tradition and the contemporary. It brings together the ancient and the new. Walmajari dreaming or Walmajari ancestral stories are combined here with everyday events. Case in point, this major painting where we've got the redback spiders, which are really important for Walmajari beliefs, and also this here. Does anyone know what this might be? Yeah, exactly. Maku or witchetty grubs. So you've got the witchetty grub here and you've got the redback spider. These are overlaid with, as you can see here, the Union Jack. Yeah? This is a statement of col about colonisation. This is a statement about invasion. It's about current affairs. But at the same time, it's drawing up from Walmajari stories and Walmajari history. John Prince Sidden was a stockman. He lost his leg in an injury. A horse fell on him. And he now paints. He paints every day. He paints mostly from home because he cares for his wife there. But he's connected with the probably one of the bravest art centres in Australia or in the world, perhaps called Munkajar. Munkajar are the people who did the collaboration with Gorman. So if you if you know the designer, the fashion label Gorman, and are familiar with their work, they're the art centre that did that collaboration. You can kind of imagine that when you're in here, can't you? Because you get this sense to which no surface is safe. And I would, in the classroom, whether it be primary school or secondary school, I would ask kids to create an environment in which no surface is safe from art, where everything becomes part of that art process, that art making process. Okay. We're staying in WA and we're crossing country now. We're going from Fitzroy Crossing Across here, we're just going to look briefly at the work of Kathy and Tracy Ramsey, sisters and daughters of the very, very famous Rami Ramsey. They use ochre, which is the very distinctive aspect of Warman art, particularly used by Gidja people or Gidja language speakers. But they've also used acrylic. And probably the most outrageous painting that they've produced, or Kathy's produced, is this painting here. This collapses two different ways of looking at landscape and country. You've got this kind of traditional perspectival landscape happening on the one hand, and then you've got this aerial view happening on the other. So it's a really good example to unpack with students around different ways of seeing and being in place. Okay, come on through. Some of you will already be thinking about the way you might, in the classroom, combine those perspectives on landscape. So give your kids a viewfinder. I'm sure you've all done this a million times. Give them a viewfinder. Get them to look at a traditional kind of landscape, European landscape perspective, then create a bird's eye view and see what happens when you collapse those two things over the top of each other. Be really fun. Now this room here, this is work that you're probably really familiar with because we've been working with this community. We've been working with Ilcha and Jada or Many Hands Art Centre, which is based in Alice Springs, since the beginning of Tarnandi. The wonderful thing about working with this mob is that we are developing new curators, Aboriginal curators as we work, and there's a wonderful woman called Marissa Ma, and I did an in conversation with her and three of the artists that you can catch on the video once they're all uploaded, and she talked about her journey, her curatorial journey. 
Two years ago, we kind of repatriated the gallery's collection of watercolours. As you all know, we have a lot of Hermansburg watercolours from 1939, the first work acquired by Albert Namatjira, through to just months ago. The problem with those watercolours is a lot of them, the early works in particular, carried titles that were reflective of a Western or uh, a non-Aboriginal market, let's say, in the middle of the 20th century. So the titles are things like Untitled Landscape. Didn't quite feel satisfactory, so we did this great project with Marissa where we, we returned, not the works themselves for obvious reasons, but images of the works back to country. We took them back to the community and we asked them to identify the spots. So our collection is now renamed, all in Aranda language, and we know precisely what's depicted. That relationship has developed this project. And this project has a single wellspring, pardon the pun. In the early 1930s, Hermansburg was in severe drought, which led to the loss of lives and the loss of livestock. A couple of artists, non-Aboriginal artists, Jessie Trail, who you might know, Una Teague and her sister Violet Teague, jumped into their cars in Melbourne and drove to Alice Springs, 1931. They drove to Alice and they saw what was happening there and they started a fundraising campaign to raise money for a pipeline to go into Hermansburg. The pipeline comes from Kuprilia, which is K-U-P-R-I-L-Y-A, Kuprilia, and it runs through to Hermansburg. On the 1st of October, the tap was turned and water was flowing for the first time to Hermansburg. The 1st of October, every year is marked as Kuprilia Day. And there's a whole lot of celebration and in people's memories, they remember those early Kuprilia days. Now the museum next door has within its collection this incredible boomerang made in the early 1930s, just after the pipeline went in. It's made by Namajira. It proves that Namajira was making art before he met Rex, Rex Batterby, who introduced him to watercolor. And this is a series of very beautiful ink drawings of the pipeline being laid from Kuprilidia to Hermansburg. And of course, it's made from this beautiful mulga or acacia anura. This is almost 100 years old. It's 90 years old. Everything else is 12 months old in this room. So the rest of the work has been made in response. It's been made by Namajira's descendants. And each of them have reflected. Some of them have re reflected kind of nostalgically. Others, this wall over here is called After Kupulia, and it talks about the landscape now. It talks about how important water is. The video is on the Matterport view that I talked about when I was upstairs talking about the virtual tour. So you can watch the video that we're looking at right now when you actually do that tour, watch it from home. And that man there is the inimitable Mervyn Rabuncha, who you will capture, who you'll see on the video from Saturday. Looking west, the water story continues and we'll just look at that space from here because it's quite a tight space. But in that room, you'll see the work of Tia Ropian, who has both Cape York but also Torres Strait heritage. And Tio has sung a song to water with these gigantic lino prints. He calls them vinyl cuts because, you know, these days lino is more that kind of vinyl material. But these are all lino cuts that he's made on this massive scale. He's introducing us to language, Ingenu, which is where this work has come from culturally and spiritually, 
is the very tip of Cape York. I don't know, I, the geography teacher, not that I ever was one, but somewhere I clearly was because I tend to, in Tarnandi, I find it really helpful to travel cross country. And I think if you can do that in your classroom, the book has a great map, the map's online, and you can kind of show the diversity of, of art making. So right from the wellspring of Alice Springs, right up to the top of Cape York. Okay, come, yes. Yeah, actually, do you know what? I don't know. I haven't asked him that question, but I've been curious myself. The question is, does he put them through a press? I don't imagine that he's hand registering, burnishing them. I mean, that would just be nuts, right? So there might be a massive, massive, massive press. Let me find out and I'll come back. Steamroller. sure go and use that well it could well be the same yeah absolutely and there are major printmakers like basil hall and others who do have those presses feel free to to pop in and have a look i'll meet you in the next room okay come on in everyone everyone's fallen in love with tio's massive prints okay that was kylie's just illuminated us the the richard bell was it called color theory there was a series that SBS, I think, made. Hetty Perkins was involved and the Richard Bell episode features Tio. And in that, you can see Tio printing his works. Oh, it's a link in the education resource. Of course it is. So over here, we have the work. We're back now. We're now in Wanjana country. We're back in the Kimberley. We have these incredible works by Angelina Caradada Buna. Her mother is Lily Caradada, who's a major Wanjana painter, and we have a great bark painting of hers in our collection. I'm obsessed with these works. I think they are so stunning. Now, you know, secret, sacred content of the Wanjana can only be painted by people that have permission to paint the Wanjana. That wouldn't stop me from being inspired by these, because I think what these do so beautifully is capture the state of becoming. The Wanjana brings rain. As Angelina said on the weekend, the Wanjana brought my ancestors reign. So I would be inspired by these in that I think about the idea of something appearing or disappearing and I do it as a whole class exercise where I gave every student a particular point in the state of becoming or unbecoming if you see what I mean. I don't know how best you you do that but I, can you imagine that idea of bringing them all together as I said importantly and prohibitively not the content you would use the students, you would mine the students' own world and own understandings and experiences to do that. I'd focus on weather though, just thinking back to someone like Clarice Beckett. I'd actually think about that idea of fog, that idea of visibility, that idea of mist. These works are made on paper, but ultimately they are an extension of a millennial rock art practice. And here she has used the sap from the eucalypt to bind the ochre. The ochre is found in both freshwater and saltwater sources. And as we know with many ochres, the ochre is treated, often heated, to create the different chromatic capacity. In this instance, it's the sap that changes the color of the ochre. She is on video and she actually did a kind of show and tell where she spoke about that process. So you can have a look at that as well. Over on the Western Wall is a monolithic triptych 
which is called Lake Baker, named of course after the site itself. Now Tim O'Hogan's family were forced off country by the Maralinga testing. So he's a Pinjata man and he, his family, because he was too young, but his family were forced over into WA as many, art, many individuals were. And this is a painting of a site that he, his father's site, that because of that displacement, he had not experienced. He's a, he's a senior custodian of this site. This painting is the homecoming, and he now paints this with singular enthusiasm and passion. There's a video of Tim O'Hogan speaking as well that you can enjoy. He won the Telstra Prize this year, and Timo has conjured country in a way that he's speaking to or responding to the way that the Wanambi, this big rainbow serpent here, creates country. Just as the Wanampi stirs up and creates and conjures country, Timo has done the same. And one of you was just telling me that you were lucky enough to be in here on Friday to meet with him and that he was gesturing to touching the painting and talking about this act of becoming. So painting becomes an act of becoming analogous to this act of country becoming. This is a story not only of the Wadi Wanampi, the snake man, but also the Wadi Kuchara the two men up here and you can see those two dots talking about the same the two men big painting big ancestral story and he has reduced or limited his palette to create that power you're all thinking what you're going to do in the classroom in terms of limiting palette and how it can be a really powerful way to kind of control I think the power of gesture by limiting palette or limiting color or hue you focus on other things as you well know Okay, come on through. Based on Larrakia country, Karen Mills is part of the Stolen Generation. Her work is about this constant longing for country, longing for connection and longing for family. And she uses her canvases as a way of mediating her sense of displacement and her anxiety. Karen works with ochre and she's been given permission to use a particular ochre and, and is provided that ochre along with acrylic paint. So the natural pigment and the synthetic material come together. There's a lovely metaphor in that. And they meet on the canvas. I think this idea of, we've just stepped from the triptych over here into these diptychs here. I don't know, I kind of think about that idea with your class, whether you're just thinking curatorially or thinking if you're going to get them all to work individually, then you can create a gigantic work that's multi-panelled. Because I think they register a different level of experience and ambition in particular. This is a really nice time to have a bit of a history lesson. I guess we've talked about a few things historically anyway. We've talked about the Kupuriya Springs. We've certainly talked about Maralinga testing. And this is where your students and you get to get close to Marbo. This particular work on the Northern Wall, this installation made from bamboo and 3D printed objects, has been made by the daughter of Eddie Koiki Marbo. Her name is Gail Marbo. 
and she is continuing the long tradition of creating navigational maps. The Merriam Mare people of the Torres Strait use navigational maps for obvious reasons to absolutely navigate their way through country and the stars and through obviously waterways. The stars are a very important part of that and this is the constellation of Tagai and you can see, you can read this constellation here where these 3D printed stars mark the way and map the way. Now in the Mabo decision, Eddie Koike's maps were a really important part of the decision because they were used as a manifestation and proof of fishing rights, marine rights, etc. So this is a work that is really directly related to the overturning, the ultimate overturning, the final gradual tragic, but because it came so late, overturning of terra nullius in this country. Art can be political, it can be purposeful. Over here, this idea of the stellar or the constellation leaps from, I can kind of feel it leaping from Gail's work into these works by Jungle Yunupingu. Now her direct relative, Mrs. N. Yunupingu, died today. So I just want to say vale to her. It's a, it's a very big moment in Yekala today, saying farewell to her. And you would, I'm not going to say her full name, but you would know her name, you would know her work. She's in our collection. Her relative here, Jungle Yunupingu, tells the story of being born a mermaid. And this is a work where you can see from your recent excursions here to the gallery, you think about the work of Nongana Marawili and her experimentation, that that's become quite infectious up at Bukulange Molka. One artist, it's a bit like being in the classroom. One artist sees another artist working and thinks, I'm gonna try that. I'm not just gonna use the gapu. I'm not just gonna use the white ochre that's really highly prized and so sacred. I'm also gonna combine some print ingrid, yeah, print ink cartridge toner into that. I'm going to mix things up a little bit and that's precisely what Jungle Yunabingu is doing. Working on board over here on this side and then here of course on bark. The boabs that I was speaking of before take flight on this wall and this is uh, Nikki and I thinking about these to create a murmuration and that reminds me that Kylie has made a really beautiful activity sheet so if you're self-guiding or if you even want to send kids on their own with their families or friends there's a wonderful activity sheet where they can find their way through the exhibition and one of the activities focuses on this idea of a murmuration you've all seen birds take flight the way they move they don't look at each other they don't send signals they just are able to move by sixth sense fish can do it too that was kind of the intention here with these boabs the youngest carp, sorry, the youngest carver is just 16. So some of your students are around the same age. And there are nine different carvers who have carved these beautiful birds. Once again, it's, it's interesting, there'd be so many possibilities in the classroom with students working singularly and then coming to exhibit their work together. Aren't the shadows great? So Gail gave a talk, so you'll be able to see her and also two of the carvers gave talks as well. Okay, come on through. So we have just been, just going back to the geography lesson, we're in Darwin with Karen Mills, then we're up in Merriam Mare in the Torres Strait, over to Kimberley country where Boabs grow, back up to northeast Arnhem Land, and now we're back in the central desert where the car or the motor car is very much the focus of daily life. 
Now you can imagine a million variants on this for the classroom, I am sure. Of course, what these artists have demonstrated from Minima Kuchara, so we have Wadi Kuchara down there, the two men, this is Minima Kuchara, which is two women, from the two women art centre, what they've demonstrated is not just that you can make the work, but you can actually animate the work. And there's some wonderful, very simple animations. What I love about this is how fantastically subversive it is. So this, this car here, for instance, has minkupa, which is bush tobacco on the back of it. This one over here is an ambulance, of course, but it's in, for a nyankari. So nyankari are, of course, traditional healers or doctors. So this is the nyankari ambulance. This is very handy, back to the map making that we were talking about. APY lands, all the way through to Irinju, which is just over the border where these artists are working. And this is, this is NT, SA and WA. It's probably more interesting than most maps. This is the work of Gwyneth Glitchner over here and Gwyneth works in Nooka, which is actually far kind of east Arnhem Land, on the edge of Arnhem Land. And there is one artist who you'll, the minute you hear his name, if, if you know the name, you'll see the connection and it's Ginger Riley Mandawalawala, who is one of the most incredible colourists that the story of, or the history of Australian art has ever seen. Now she's, the three paintings on the western wall are actually about the cemetery. So they're, they're a rather sombre subject, but she finds this beauty and captures this dynamic beauty, very colourful beauty in her experiences of the everyday. Come on through. Yeah. Mara'ala. Mara'ala is the Binjara word to describe them, which means they have like um, healing hands. Mara is, is hand and ala is open. And yes, they're Nyankari. That's exactly what Betty, Betty Muffler and Marinka Burton are. Spot on. So you've stepped into the Tiwi Islands. In the talk on Sunday morning, Carol Mary said that walking into this room made her feel like she was at home, which is probably the most loveliest thing a curator can hear. This, um, this is a project that Nikki and I have been dreaming up for a long time. I know you guys as art educators totally get this. You know sometimes in a, in a museum experience things are just too remote, like works are framed up or they're matted and then they're put under glass and there's just this real sense that you're removed from the materiality and the magic in that materiality. That's, that's kind of the way I often feel about work that's made with ochres in particular. This room has the work of 65 artists from across the three art centres of the Tiwi Islands. And what's so interesting, I'm hoping from your perspective, is that you can see the difference between the different styles. Munapi over here on the western wall and the northern wall actually tape off an edge around the paper so they create this kind of registration mark akin to printmaking techniques. They do that so that the materials are contained within the picture itself it came up as a question in Sunday's discussion they are also really well known for their use of the porta and the porta is a little ironwood comb once again it was demonstrated um, on the weekend but it's an ironwood comb with short teeth that you place in ochre and then you rock across the surface so it's a way of creating there are lots of works that include the porta mark but this is a very good example here this has porta, this has porta, porta, 
what uh, you can see it because it looks mechanical almost, not hand painted. I don't know about you, but the teacher in me talk, thinks immediately about jettisoning, jettisoning, I don't know how to say that, paintbrushes and thinking about ways of applying paint. Yeah? Once again, not that you would be imitating Tiwi techniques, but you'd be thinking about this idea of how to register paint on a surface to create a mark. Over on the eastern wall, we have the work from an art centre which I like to think of as Australia's Sistine Chapel. If you Google Tiwi Islands Art Centre, you will see this photograph of Naruwana Jiri. Naruwana Jiri means helping each other. And in the Tiwi Islands there, the art centre is a Nissan hut where the entire ceiling of the Nissan hut has been covered in plywood panels. Not dissimilar in scale to these, the entire thing is covered in the panels. It's breathtaking, completely breathtaking. The artists from Narawana Jiri are known not for their use of potter, as you can see. They're used mostly of kind of freehand work, expressive work. And amongst them is the celebrated Alfonso Poitimi with his work here. There's kind of Picasso-like work down there on the bottom left-hand side, don't you think? Uh, and then, you know, the bicycle up here and the Tiwi Tatini. You probably remember two years ago, and I would, I'd use this in the classroom, we had the Tatini up in Gallery 9. Same communities, same artists. Here on the southern wall, we have the work of Jilamara, which is the oldest art centre on the Tiwi Islands. The word Jilamara is really important. It actually means design, design usually on the body. So a painted design and everyone has their own Jilamara. What's your Jilamara? What's your design? And you probably remember two years ago, I was using the word Minji, which is from the Yungo language to talk about design because everyone cultivates their own mark. I love the philosophy of this. It should be one that's resonant in your classrooms because you don't want kids to paint like each other. You want them to find their signature. On this wall here, we have the very acclaimed Timothy Cook and he paints the Kulama now, now that you know that this is what the Kulama looks like, you'll be thinking, well, that's the Kulama. This is Dino Wilson. That's the Kulama. This is the Kulama, and so on and so forth. So these Jilamara designs start their life as body paintings. And for Tiwi people, and for many Aboriginal people, song, ceremony, dance, and visual arts are all, of course, interconnected modes of expression. So all of these things come up from the body. So the body pattern has been transferred in this instance onto paper. We worked with Art Lab to develop these fun little tabs. So you've got this uh, adhesive tab on the back which can be removed without having any impact on the work. And rather than pinning through the work itself, we've just pinned through the actual mylar tab that's on the top of each of the works. Just a minor detail. Just a couple of minutes more down here because we've got to run upstairs. There's not as much work upstairs but there are certainly things I need you to see. In the cabinets, as you come through, are works by Tina Gollan, Christina Gollan, and she has worked with Kirsten Quello, who many of you would know, a major South Australian potter, to develop her own te technique and her own style. She is a Ghana Bondig Naranjeti woman, and she's made all of these hand-built forms. And I'm sure you'll get lots of different kind of ideas and possibilities when you look at those. Behind me is the work of an artist you might remember from a few years ago. He's from Nikki's country, he's from Barkindji country. His name is Kent Morris. And he's taken these photographs of the beloved Klinky, 
which is the Barkindji word for the Corella. And uh, he's taken these photographs and then he's animated these photographs and created very, very kind of simple, symmetrical raw sharking, I suppose. And the most of the, what's so lovely about this, and you can see it right here, is this starts to emulate or look like Barkindji, Wiradjuri and Gamilaroi tree engraving. You've probably seen those markings, yeah? So it starts to speak to that visual language. All the while it's like a telephone tower or something, but it starts to speak to that idea. We're going to go upstairs. You can take the lift, which is just here, or take the stairs. Let's have a little chat at the top of the stairs and then we'll go into the relevant rooms. So Tarnandi continues. The fun thing about the Matterport that I was talking about before is that you can click on and it'll, you'll travel to the various parts that Tarnandi is in. Because of our number, and the space, I can't take you in here. Julie Goff, who's a Trawulwe artist, so she's from Tasmania, has been wanting to meddle with our collection for a number of years, and we finally pulled it off. She's taken furniture, paintings, works on paper from the AGSA collection, all from colonial Tasmania, and she has, I'm gonna let you work out what she's done in there yourselves. It's incredible. It's called Psychoscape. She's created a an experience which is deeply unsettling and disturbing. It's incredibly creative. She's got projections on the floor. There's a live cam where you can see her veranda at any given time in Tasmania. And she has, we've acquired one of the works in, in there, which is an upturned chair with, with caning. And she's cut figures from vellum to create a shadow play. You guys were talking about shadows earlier on. You could do a whole shadow tour. On the western and eastern walls are the Kalea Jinna, the steps of the emu, as part of a series called Nura by Alec Baker, who's in his early 90s. Incredible old man who lives up in Indulkna. Behind me here are the works of two other not-so-old men but significant elders, also in the APY lands, Wichity George, and Taylor Cooper, sorry, and Wichity George. On the northern wall is a woman who needs very little introduction. She works here in Adelaide. She is an Anangal woman, and she her name is Nilmadi Burton, and we have an education resource about Nilmadi, don't we, Kylie? This work is called the Kungarankopa, which many of you would know, of course, is the Seven Sisters, and that's a nice little segue into stepping into Gallery 9, where we're going to meet some more sisters. One of the really important works in our collection is a collaborative triptych, which is called Kangura Kanguruku Jukupa, which means a sister's story. And that particular painting is actually in Canberra still. It's as part of the Know My Name exhibition. The elder sister in the painting who made the painting, painted these works. And her name is Yarichi Young, Yarichi Tingala Young. And we see Yarichi at full speed here. I mean, these are just so extraordinary. They're so full of energy. And they capture the energy of the Jala, the honey ant. So Jala is the name of the art center in Amata, but it's also the name of the Jukupa, which she is the custodian for, the Jala Jukupa. And that honey ant, honey ants are the most delicious creatures. They're not like ants. In fact, the word is probably a mis 
translation in many ways. They're probably more like a bee, I suppose, but they carry their sugar on their bodies and they're delicious. And their, their sugar sack, just Google an image of them, their sugar sack is enormous. So they're an absolute delicacy. This is the Jalo Jukupa. So you get all of this sense of the activities of these incredible jalas traveling across the surface. The Seven Sisters story continues here with the work of Kayleen Whiskey, and I dare you not to, to, to find someone who doesn't like Whiskey's work in the classroom. <laughs> uh, Kayleen Whiskey works from Awancha as well, which is an Indulkna where Alec Baker works. So we're still on the APY lands. For those of you who are wondering where we are, we're northern South Australia. And Kayleen started to make work on these found road signs. We're super lucky. We're going to try and keep this work in the collection because it's actually the sign that used to be the sign off the Stuart Highway to the, to the Art Centre. If you can just see underneath, you can see the arts and craft underneath, yeah? And this is called Seven Sisters, and the sisters is spelt S-I-S-T-A-S, the Seven Sisters sign. And, of course, the Seven Sisters here are seven important deities that include Dolly Parton, Wonder Woman, and Tina Turner, etc. So a fantastic celebration, a feminist statement for the 21st century from the Anangul Pitinjata, Yankanjata lands, and of course, video work that has come directly from these. There's the big Jala honey ant just crossing the screen a moment ago. Over here, we have the work of Doris Bush Nungarai, who's a woman in her 80s now, who makes these celebratory paintings. Over to the southern end, we've got the work of Katara Butler, and Katara is over in, in Western Australia, and she has created, along with her grandson, Winston, who's made the video, she's created this vision of country. She maps all of the significant sites and the significant places, and each one of these paintings stands in. It has a memory function, and we should never forget that we're talking about an ancestrally oral culture where the mnemonic function of body painting and rock painting means everything. The way you keep culture and keep it safe is by transmitting it. How do you transmit it? You mark it on your body, you mark it in song, you mark it in time and you mark it in place. And that sense of that, it really flows through in Katara's work. She's in her early 90s now. I won't come with you into the next space, but you have to go in there because it's the sensational work of Marie Clark. So Marie Clark is uh, a Yoda Yoda woman and she, I think she has several language groups actually, but definitely one of them is Yoda Yoda. So she's based out of Melbourne and she revises, renews, reinvigorates traditional reed necklace making. One of the works, the work in the middle, is made from reeds and those reeds have been punctuated with galah feathers. That work is now in our collection. She also makes echidna quill necklaces, kangaroo teeth necklaces, etc. So make sure you go and see Marie's work. Make sure you go and see Julie's work. Check out everything online. I hope tonight has been helpful for you. Thank you for being so wonderfully engaged. Are there any final questions before I just let you loose in the space? No, all good. Thanks so much for supporting the art gallery, guys. Thank you.